0: Everybody's talking with T. The talk show designed to engage, educate, empower, and encourage the community is on.
1: WJBE ninety nine point seven FM and ten forty AM. Just the best every day. Greetings, listeners. You're back where it's at, and I'm spinning the beginning of the winning talk show that pops to the top. Always nice with some spice where we hit the roof with the truth and the floor with much more of what you need to know to stay engaged, educated, empowered, and encouraged with trending topics, noted news, interviews, and much, much more. This is Tanisha Baker, and you're inside Talking With T. It's August 8th, and if today is your birthday, you share it with old school rapper Kumo cool Moe D., actress Megan Good, actor Dustin Hoffman, and singer-slash-reality star, Countess Vaughn. Today in history, Matthew Henson, along with his traveling partner Robert Peary, became the first person to reach the North Pole in 1909. Also on this date in history, the 8th of August is officially recognized as the date that Andrew Johnson freed his slaves in Tennessee. It was on this day, August 8th, and only this date in history, that African Americans were allowed to visit Chilhowee Park here in Knoxville, Tennessee, for many years. Later in the show, you will find out about local festivities commemorating this date in history. August 8th is also recognized as National Dollar Day, since it is the day Congress established the U.S. monetary system in 1786. This month's theme is Activism in August. You will be encouraged to be active and be involved in things that matter influence and impact your community with your presence and your voice nobody can do everything but everybody can do something and now it's time for our monday minute quick bits the olympics have started and the first gold goes to the u.s awarded to jenny thrasher a 19 year old west virginia sophomore who won the women's 10 meter air rifle event sadly venus williams loses in the opening round of the tennis singles Williams had previously won the singles gold at the Sydney Olympics in 2000. Richard Scott, the mayor of Fairfax, Virginia and a substitute teacher, was busted for dealing meth. An undercover detective created a profile on a website used to arrange casual sexual encounters between men and Scott offered methamphetamine for sexual encounters. While in middle Tennessee, yes again in Tennessee, A human trafficking sting operation ended in the arrest of 41 individuals. The report says that the majority of the men had responded to advertisements on BackPage.com for sex with a minor. This is after another recent report of a similar bust that ended with 32 people arrested in East Tennessee. Melissa Harris-Perry, who walked out on MSNBC, will now join BET News as a special correspondent. Congratulations to her. Forty-two people are injured at a Snoop Dogg concert when a fence collapses and they fall over a ledge. Last week, I shared that former KKK leader David Duke is running for Senate, and now he says that Trump voters are his voters. He says he is 100% behind Trump, and nobody will be more supportive of Trump's agenda than him. Hmm. Pastor Jonathan Greer says he was fired by Mount Sterling Baptist Church because he invited black people to the church. The deacons had told him not to invite black people, but he ended up inviting some black children from neighboring communities to vacation Bible school, and then he got fired. In an interview with one of the deacons, they said that black residents are welcome at the church and that Greer was fired for not working with the deacons or visiting church members. Although the church insists the allegations are not true, Greer has received a flood of support in his favor. So, it's time for one of my favorite parts of the show, our happy highlights, where we bring good news to you. Dr. Jafunza Wright and her husband, Fred Carter, are working to eradicate food deserts. The African-American couple launched the Healthy Food Hub seven years ago, which is an initiative offering healthier, affordable eating through collective buying. Their idea came from a template used by the Nation of Islam about controlling buying power. The way it works is members pay a $25 a year membership fee and can pre-order produce And then the collective group is able to buy wholesale, giving members access to the best whole natural foods at an affordable price. My next happy highlight is about the Nigerian men's soccer team who almost missed their first chance at competing in the 2016 Rio Olympics. But luckily Delta airlines came through and allowed the team to travel free of charge. The team had been training in Atlanta, but due to their lack of traveling experiences, they naively thought they could purchase their tickets to Rio on the day they were due to leave. They tried to book a chartered flight, but there were too many people for one plane. Delta Airlines tried to find a solution for them and finally found an NBA charter plane that was available to take the entire squad. They arrived just hours before their game against Japan. I have one more happy highlight and it's also related to the Olympics. Liz Willock was in conversation with her Uber driver, Ellis Hill, and he told her that his son was in the Olympics for the USA in shot put. She asked him if he was going and he shared that he couldn't afford to go. Willock then asked him if she could arrange it, would he go? Willock was determined to try to get Mr. Hill to the Olympics to see his son and the two exchanged information. Just so happened that Willock was a sales leader at a concierge service that arranged travel accommodations. The next day after her encounter with the Uber driver, Willock started a GoFundMe campaign to raise the $7,500 needed to send Hill to the Olympics. She raised well over the goal in just two days. And over 150 people contributed to the campaign. And she said she only knew about 10 of them. The rest actually came from the generosity of strangers. Five minutes of conversation and the good heart of strangers made Hill's dream come true to see his son compete in the 2016 Olympics in Rio. So keep it where it's at. I'll be right back. After we hear from this week's featured artist, Rising Nashville star Damian Horn, When Good Love Goes Bad.
0: My, miracle, my very reason for living life And every day would sit with her Head pressed on my chest And I, oh, I never felt so alive but When good love goes back all those funny little things you do No longer make her laugh And you stop holding hands And she starts looking at other guys Just to pick a fight When good love goes bad So when you fight someone Fall in love, don't let anything or anyone get in your way. Cause when good love goes bad, it's impossible for her to get back to that place again. No, 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 and there's no second chance. And when she finally says goodbye She won't even cry when good love goes back
1: Last week, we started a new feature on Talking With T that would allow listeners to share their opinions on featured topics. The topic was related to the upcoming election and opinions on voting if a person didn't like either candidate. Let's listen to what the callers had to say.
2: Yeah, I called him because, uh, you know, it's really important that we vote. It's something that uh, we need to do on the state and local levels and as, as, as also national. Uh, but we need to get out there and vote, and that's the only power we have, so we won't turn into, like, a, another Ferguson or something of that nature.
3: Hello. I think that it is important for everyone to exercise their right to vote. If you do not favor uh one candidate over the other, you should still do some research and find out maybe which would be the lesser of two evils, Uh find out which candidate would be the best even if you don't like them, but still the best in your interest because so many people died for us to have the right to vote. Uh so you should always exercise that right to vote and always be involved uh in the in your in politics, whether it just be the local or the presidential election.
4: So yes, everyone
3: should get out and vote. Well as we jump into trending news this week, I thought we were going to escape another shooting story involving police officers and an unarmed black man But in Chicago, officers are seen on video firing at least 15 shots at a car that was involved in a chase. So 18-year-old Paul O'Neill was attempting to elude the police when the chase began after the police responded to a report of a stolen Jaguar. After O'Neill crashes the car, he jumps out, and the police chase him on foot. Now, the police had opened fire on the Jaguar while he was still driving, but he wasn't hit by those shots. The officer that actually pursued him on foot is the one that shot him. And the footage shows O'Neill laying face down on the ground with bullet wounds in his back, with blood everywhere, while they put his limp hands in handcuffs. So the officers can be heard cussing at O'Neill, although I'm not sure he heard them because I think he was dead at that point. But anyway, also on the recording, you can hear the officers questioning whether O'Neill had fired at them. He shot back, right, one of the officers asked. And then another officer can be heard asking, who was shooting in the alley? Was that him? In one of the articles I read, an officer curses and says, now I'm going to have to get a 90-day suspension. So Neil's family has filed a federal civil rights lawsuit against the Chicago Police Department. And the department says that the officer that shot O'Neill in the back violated policy. Three officers have been put on leave following the incident. So, again, although O'Neill was suspected of committing a crime, I get that, it was not one that would have, by law, ended in the death penalty. So, you know, Chicago is still upset over the 2014 murder of Laquan McDonald, who was shot 16 times as he walked away from an officer. So it's like you don't get to go to jail, post bail, get your trial, or put up a defense or any of that. And, you know, although it is highly suspect that possibly he stole the car and he's running from the police, I still don't think that's justification to give an immediate death sentence.
2: Exactly. And I'm pretty sure that this is not the first time that they've had to attempt to stop a suspect uh, in a stolen vehicle. And I'm pretty sure that they – have perhaps used other means. I mean, I could be wrong, you know, those spike strips or, you know, convenient maneuvering of police cars in such a way to where the uh, suspect would not be able to just drive wherever he or she wants. So, I don't know. I'm I'm just, I'm kind of at a loss here to figure this out. And again, like you said, Chicago hasn't fully recovered from uh, Laquan McDonald and the countless other uh, murders that have taken place that, you know, those that we know of and even those that don't quite manage to make the news. Right? Yes, there would
4: be so so much going on in Chicago, just among the crime in general. But with these officers, they seem to be more concerned about being put on desk duty or being suspended than they were for actually killing somebody. And it didn't seem that right. they had all they uh, – Eyes dotted and T's crossed. By the way, they was questioning each other about, "What well, did he shoot? Uh, was that him shooting? Uh, what was going on?" So they were all just lost. Right. And then I'm
3: wondering too. So he's on the ground, his back is bloody. They put him in handcuffs. So either they're trying to make it look good by putting him in handcuffs, or they thought he was still alive. In which case, why wouldn't they have called for an ambulance or a medical yeah,
4: I do not care anybody, say, call 911 or anything like that? It just makes sense to me.
3: Maybe I watch too much TV, but it just makes sense that once you have the person subdued and they look like they need medical treatment, that would be your next course of
4: action. Yes, you know, you shot him. So, look like you would say, we need an ambulance at the scene, Shots being fired, blase, blase. You, you know you shot him.
3: Right, and then... Like you said, let's take out the fact that he may or may not have committed a crime. I think this may be excessive force. Fifteen times, how many times do you have to be shot? Right. You and, know, to uh-huh. take you down. If they just wanted to stop him, right, uh, they might need to go back to the firing range and learn maybe they could shoot him in the kneecap or the ankle or the shoulder. But 15 times in the back?
4: And what exactly? doesn't seem uh,
3: necessary.
4: Yes, and what exactly are the tasers for? Because I haven't seen many of them pull out the tasers to use them. Seems like they go for the guns first. You know, you you do have the rubber bullets, you do have the taser, you have mace. Anybody that's been mace knows that that will knock you off your feet. I'd even rather them hit somebody with a billy stick in their knees or something than actually shoot them fifteen, sixteen, twenty times.
3: Right, it it's seems just, like their their immediate decision is to shoot. Uh, well, we will of course, follow the developments of this story and see how it goes, and see if they actually get charged, like I said right now there uh at least three of them have been suspended, but we'll see how it goes down. so there's another officer involved shooting that's really causing a debate, and this is surrounding the death of Corinne Gaines. Three officers arrived at Gaines' apartment last Monday to serve warrants to her and a man who also lived there. Gaines had an arrest warrant for failing to appear in court for a traffic violation. The police knocked at the door, and although they could hear people inside, nobody came to the door. So after 10 minutes, they went and got a key to the apartment and opened it. When they did, they found Gaines sitting on the floor with her five-year-old son in one arm and a shotgun in the other. After several hours, and I think I read it was five hours of trying to negotiate, Gaines raised her gun at them and threatened to kill them if they did not leave. So it was then that the officers opened fire, and so did she. She uh, shot two rounds at them. They shot one at her. She shot two back. Sadly, the child was also struck by one of the bullets, but fortunately, the wound was non-threatening. Now, Gaines is the ninth black woman shot and killed by the police this year. So while people are torn about this incident, I read that Gaines might be considered to be a sovereign citizen, so to speak. And a sovereign citizen is a person who's like anti-government. They don't believe that they can be ruled by federal law. So they might destroy all forms of documentation like the driver's license, license plates, social security cards, any of that. In fact, her court appearance was related to charges. When she was pulled over, she didn't have a license plate. A lot of times they'll put cardboard um, on their tags, in place of their tags. So when the officers gave her a ticket, she threw it out the window and said that the officers would have to murder her before she would get out of the car. So, okay, let me get back to the story. Gaines had loaded some videos before her death, and she stated that the police would have to kill her. And it's almost like suicide by police, but I'm not sure. Her actual words were, they're going to have to kill me today. I've never been to jail and I'll never go. You guys are going to take me away from here in a body bag. Later, you see Gaines trying to comfort her clearly distraught child, telling him, you see what they do to us, right? You fight them. An officer says, we don't want to kill you. We're your friends. Do you believe that? And her son says, no. So her followers on social media, because she's posting these things while the incident is going on, encouraged her not to comply with negotiators. She showed herself being pretty much anti-police, and she's heard telling her son that the police are, quote, not for us. So after the five hours of negotiations and she threatened to shoot them, people are questioning if the officers were actually justified in this case while others believe it was another racially motivated killing of a black woman. Now, keep in mind, there are no actual witnesses to the incident in the house other than that of the officer since she's dead, and her son can't really recant the details. Yet, some are mad that she allowed her son to be involved in the incident, and others are upset that the police proceeded with her son pregnant. So, this is just one of those really muddy, I would say, situations where it's not a really clear black or white and the videos are a bit disturbing i posted a link to them on www.talkingwitht.com under today's show date so this makes a good topic for listeners to call in this week and share their opinion they can call 865-409-1170 again that's 865-409-1170 and share opinions on the corin Gaines case do you believe she could have been subdued without the police killing her or shooting her son. So I encourage you to read the links on my webpage and watch the videos before you make a decision. But Pam and Jay, I know that you're very familiar with the case, and I'm curious about your thoughts
2: on that. Right. Um, I, I'm with you. It's it's a very muddy situation. There is no clear black or white, but uh, in preparing for today's show, I just happened to be scouring the internet and according to B E T dot com Gaines boyfriend has created a GoFundMe page in his deceased girlfriend's name. And uh Who has? uh
3: Corin Gaines
2: boyfriend.
3: Well he's in jail now for um they arrested him and I don't know if that was Friday or Saturday, but he was arrested with a gun she used and drugs and some other things.
2: Right, right, right. So I'm presuming that before his arrest, he created mm-hmm. this GoFundMe page, and he is the father of the one-year-old child that they had together, and he has this GoFundMe page entitled Home Homegoing Service with a $10,000 goal. And at the time, this story was published on BET, which was on Saturday. They had okay. raised $955 within the first three days of the page being created. So, of course, the family is clearly upset, and the official page is entitled the Official Core and Gains Fund, and there's a $20,000 goal that the family's trying to raise, and according to, again, BET, they've got $12,000 raised thus far. So everybody is really in an uproar, particularly her family, that her boyfriend is trying to profit off of her death again which there is no, you know, clear-cut answer to, you know, yay or nay and definitely the child being involved throws a whole other wrench in the situation which makes it even more difficult and heartbreaking. Right. Yes it
4: does. And I want to go back and say that the uh, new developments have came out that they did not go to the office and get a key to get in her apartment. They kicked the door in. And then oh, also okay. yeah, and then also her five-year-old son, Cody, who's in the hospital with a bullet wound to his arm, he made a couple of videos discussing this, and he stated how the police came into the home and shot first. He also talked about how he wanted to stay with his mother, and no way was she forcing him to remain in a dangerous situation. This five-year-old little boy is very smart and very articulate. And also, he said that when they started shooting first, they, him and Corinne, his mother, started running. That's how he got shot on the back side of his arm. If she was sitting down like they stated at first, with the shotgun, with him on her side, it looked like he would have got shot on the front end. But he stated that the police shot first, they took off running, and she started shooting then. But he said in no way did she make him do that. They started shooting first, and so she was defending him. Um, you can pull up the videos of him talking anywhere, the all over line, but he is he seems to really know what happened and really be articulate about it.
3: Wow, well we can leave it up to P. I Pam, our top investigator, to dig undercover and bring us more insights on the story. So that's very interesting. Now, I think the dilemma partially now I believe they said they shot first after she said she was going to shoot them. They shot and she shot back. I believe everybody's in agreement with that. I think yes. my five-year-old could not force me to let him stay in that situation. And that's the part that disturbs me somewhat. I would do everything in my power, even surrender, before I would put my child in danger.
4: Yes. or well, at least I would, you know, tr- send them. let me send my kids out. If I'm going to go out like that, let me send my kids out. But then you think about all the... Other races, that have been in standoffs with police, and they have set in gas, they have negotiated, and they had, a, you know, just different means. And it doesn't seem like they just, you know, should have just shot, coming and die with a SWAT team for some traffic tickets. It, it makes no sense to me, even though she had her issues with the police. Well, she had said,
3: though, that she was going to kill them before they got there. Her previous videos had said that that's what she was going to do. I guess in their justification, they're saying they were coming prepared. But now it's interesting what you shared about them kicking the door in, because like I said, they're the only ones that can really tell the story, but now this five-year-old seems to be able to articulate quite a bit of what happened. So this is going to get more and more interesting.
4: And they say that she may have been targeted because of her being so vocal. They have put her in the same category as Sandra Bland because, you know, they still say that Sandra Bland was targeted because of her voice on social media and what she said about police brutality and injustices, you know, for African Americans. So I think there's really Mm -hmm. some truth to that.
3: Well, it might be. So, listeners, again, you can call in 865-409-1170 and share your opinions on the Corian Games case. So let's uh, see if we have anything else going on in trending news, Jay.
2: Well, of course, as you know, uh, we are in the midst of the 2016 Olympics in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And the Olympics opened on Friday evening with a spirited and very colorful opening ceremony that highlighted the history of Brazil and some of the uh, great landmarks of Brazil and Rio de Janeiro. And, of course, every country was very well represented. And uh, one of the highlights that just blowing up social media is model Giselle Bündchen making her way across the catwalk at the uh, opening ceremony. And so she is a Brazil native. She's also married to Uh, New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady. So she pretty much stole the show that night. And so now the world is competing and looking to see which countries are going to bring home the gold. And, of course, if you are watching any NBC affiliate, you know that your TV is sold up with every sport under the sun imaginable. Uh, As we speak, I am looking at the tennis competition, and I can't really see what two countries are playing, but they seem to be in a very heated match. And uh, earlier today, there were several other events. I believe there was volleyball, and yesterday there was some sort of cycling event, and of course, we are in. If we're in for a real treat, if anybody is a sports lover. Now, unfortunately, that's going to affect some of our good TV watching. So, uh, you know, you might have to set your DVRs, you might have to stay up a little bit later, but it's really going to be a show for the entire world. And I think, Pam, you were feeling some type of way about these Olympics, too, weren't you?
4: Yes, I need me a schedule because I want to watch the good stuff, like, basketball and tennis and gymnastics and all this. I don't want to tune in and be badminton or fencing or table tennis. I don't, I don't want to watch that. I don't. <laughs> Listen, what? let me tell you this. The first gold medal
3: was awarded to the U.S. for, and I just shared this earlier in the show and the happy highlights, it was awarded for a air rifle competition. And I had never
4: heard of such. Okay, y'all, what can we do for 2020? Because we need to, we need to get on <laughs> there. Right. You think we can do, do table tennis or badminton or something? I mean, can, I I, uh, I can, can
3: do, I can do card shuffling,
4: rock paper scissors. <laughs> you think they'll put kickball in there?
3: Oh man, give us a chance. Put kickball in.
4: That sounds good. They are not gonna put nothing else that African Americans can dominate in there. When they saw that we was in archery and things like that, they said, mm mm. These these black folks got to go. Mm-mm,
3: nothing else.
2: Well, you would shut it down oh. if they had Uno and <laughs> Yeah, I was
3: thinking that, too, or Domino. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we're already having a good time. So let's just jump right on into the Crazy Chronicles. And the first story in the Crazy Chronicles today is about a stylist on the Today Show who attempted to do a black woman's hair live on Earth. And supposedly beauty expert Dapika Mutayala was going to give some trendy hair tutorials that could be done in one minute or less. And the episode was going pretty good until she got to her second model. Now, she proceeded through her demonstrations, but when I watched the video, that black girl's hair looked a hot mess. And I was thinking, is it just me? But it wasn't because social media the hairdo went viral. And nobody mentioned the first model, but, you know, hers wasn't so hot either. But if you happen to miss this, you can find a link to the stories on the web page. But I just, I don't know, everybody can't do everything. Maybe they should practice before they go on live TV.
2: Well, here's the thing with that. Sister Girls, her action looked better before uh, Madam What's-Her-Face put her hands
3: in. It <laughs> did. Happy. It was
2: cute. Right. She was talking about she was going to do the side ponytail and give us some bangs. And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, if the hairstyles are supposed to be under a minute. Now, you know, having uh, labored through trying to do my little sister's hair when she was younger, I know it's going to take longer than a minute to get some bangs on our hair. So I'm trying to figure out how she's going to make these bangs happen. But it looked as if she just said, well, you know what, we're just going to flop this to the side right here. And we're going to put a little rubber band and give her this little struggle ponytail and let her go on her merry way.
4: And then she finger combed the, the hat that was in the front. And it was so funny because she was sitting there. At first, she was cheesing real, real hard. Like, oh, I'm about to get my hair done. Then that smile kept getting smaller and smaller. And then she looked
2: like a dirty headlight like that the crimes were being committed on her head. And here's, here's, here's another thing. Now, Pam and Tanisha, y'all might be able to help me out. But again, you know, from having attempted to do my sister's hair and. No, knowing how uh, how long it took for my mom to do her hair before she cut it doesn't it take longer than a minute to do black women's hair. She, she can't was
4: put the style in the pot, in the microwave under a minute. Can you me <laughs> No, you
3: you cannot, and uh, you can leave our past history of hairstyles out the show. But listen, like you said, the hairstyle was already cute. I thought maybe she could twist it and put it in a clip or something, leave the curl and just do a quick updo. That probably could have been done in about a minute. But as soon as she said bangs, I knew it was ready to go left because, number one, she had curls. And to have some bangs, you need to have a cut, you need to have a a straightening iron, you need to bevel it, you need to do something. And her hair just didn't look like it was going to go into any type of cute bang hairstyle. So, like I said, I think she might have thought about, practice and doing the 60-second hairstyle on all types of hair. And in fact, like I said, the first model didn't look so hot. Uh, when she tried to do a twist braid, it looked really a mess to me as well as her own hair. But we'll move on from that and go to the next story because this is crazy for real. Leroy Black of New Jersey passed away. Okay, rest in peace. But mm. the crazy part about the story <laughs> <laughs> the crazy part about the story is that both his wife and his girlfriend placed two different obituaries in the same newspaper.
4: Yes, they did. Oh, Leroy. Leroy was a player player from the Himalayas.
3: <laughs> I mean, they, but they're on the same page, not only in the same newspaper, but the way I saw it, they're like right beside each other.
4: Yeah, you they were right they- each other. And and I'm and they said Leroy died at home. Who's home? Which home was he at? Well yeah. that's a good question. And it's so and funny. They both said that. Did they both say that? Yeah, they both said that he died at at home. So I'm trying to figure out whose home was he at. One said survived hmm. by his loved wife and the other one said survived by his longtime girlfriend.
3: Wow. I wonder what other family members have to say about this. And you know what I also wonder, when is the funeral? Call like
4: you know, go down. The funeral was, was Saturday uh, at, the, at the church, and they said the the funeral home said they got a call. They've been getting calls from people asking if there's going to be a problem between the wife and the girlfriend at the funeral. So I don't know if they're concerned and they don't want to come, but more than likely they want to know so they can come, because I know I will be there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Baby, that would be a funeral for the ages.
4: Yes, this, well, is, this is Leroy. Leroy ain't
3: looking like nothing, Black. Oh, well, look now, now, now. Let's put a pause in that because we're looking at Leroy now as he has aged. Long-time girlfriend and wife of many years. Maybe Leroy started off in better condition, but the stress of trying to manage two households and families may have just taken a toll on poor Leroy, and so that might, you know, speak to the condition he's in now.
4: The funny thing is the wife didn't put the cause of death, but the girlfriend put that he died of lung cancer due to fiberglass exposure. So what's up with that? Did the wife
3: do something to him? Now, let me tell you, you know what I I suspect? This is just a possibility, a theory. I'm going to throw it out there. Some women that have been married to a man, even though the relationship essentially has dissolved, will refuse to get a divorce so they can maintain their benefits. So the man goes on with his girlfriend or his significant other, but the wife remains his wife, keeping all the rights with, you know, Social Security or death benefits or the home or what what have you. And so he's gone on to be with his significant other who he can't legalize because the wife won't let go. Now, that's just a theory, possibility. And I know that some older couples and and women have mentioned that, no, they weren't going to give their man a divorce after they stayed with him so long and let somebody else get the benefits and that could possibly be the case here, but I don't
4: know, it's still funny. That that's me. I'm still legally married and then. let something happen to Reginald Boss before we are divorced, it's only gonna be one obituary and one funeral. In fact it may be private. I may not let Lemmy go in. How about that? Oh. <laughs> I'm laughing but I am so serious. And I'm sitting here speechless
3: how she just filled all the tea, names and all, <laughs> on, like, I don't, okay. Let me move on. I, I know what, wait, I got it. She's been in Ohio, because my next story is about 24 people attending the music festival in Ohio who overdosed on marijuana candies. Pam, did you read
4: about that? Yes. Not the mar- Oh, marijuana. You know, the funny thing is, I'm surprised it's just 24. One of those music festivals, it goes down. People be dancing around. You don't know what they are. Look like they're on bath salts. They be chewing on folks and gyrating <laughs> around. Uh-uh. They just say chewing on folks. <laughs> they just like on bath salt. you know, just chewing on folks. Zombies, they be on another level. You be like.
3: Not the walking dead, but wait a minute. Yeah. The ca- the candy look like real Like legitimate candy. So did they know? I didn't read all the
4: details to the story. I'm just trying to figure out, is this a new type of candy? No, it's called prescribed medibles. It's called prescribed medibles. They look like nerds, but they say only one or two pieces will get you high. And I don't think they knew that part. I don't think they read that. I think somebody gave them a whole handful, and they just started eating them. They were higher than five
3: okay. types. Yeah. Wow. And so they all went to the hospital for this overdose. There's something else we're going to have to look out for. Uh, what's the name of them again? Prescription uh, Medibles. Mm. Oh, well, heard it all. Is Ohio one of the states where
4: marijuana is legal? No. <laughs> oh, all righty <laughs> then, so- well. <laughs> they have got them from somewhere, but they, you know, you know, those are like pure THC. So they are like anywhere from, they are like a hundred percent more potent than someone just smoking your regular marijuana in a in a joint or a blunt or something. So this is pure THC. So when they say one or two pieces, they mean one or two pieces because you will be super high. You'll be like smoking the chicken coop, asking for your mama.
3: All right. Well, Pam seems to be quite the expert on marijuana.
4: No, why even? Somebody just told me
2: about it a long time ago. Mm-hmm.
4: You can stick to that story if you'd like.
2: So speaking of marijuana, apparently Tennessee is now in the running, I guess you could say, for the legalization of medical marijuana. And interestingly enough, the Tennessee Research Institute recently sent out letters making a case for medical marijuana. Uh, talking about how everybody deserves a right to having medical marijuana as treatment if they're living with severe and chronic diseases, and that the majority of Tennesseans support medical marijuana, and that the Tennessee legislators have an open ear, according to this letter, and that they are listening. All right. So, uh. Can I just letter- say something?
3: I'm sorry. It sounds like you're reading a letter that's in front of you.
2: You know,
4: I could be, I could be not. <laughs> Okay, carry on. I think it's a great idea because my cataracts has been acting up
2: bad lately. Stop. Jay,
3: Jay, go ahead. Because we're not going to get her started.
2: Oh, they've got videos from a doctor from Vanderbilt Medical School, the Tennessee assistant district attorney. Allison Wilson, she's a former Tennessee District Attorney, and talking about how they were speaking to the February 2016 Symposium on Medical Marijuana at Vanderbilt University. So they're trying to, again, make a case for medical marijuana in Tennessee, and they are trying to generate funds, and they've got a website, tnresearch.org, which, according to the letter, is a 501c3, and, of course, if you make a donation, Your donation will not be publicly disclosed. And they also have the address to which you can send a check if you would like to. So they're also inviting those who contribute to communicate with them to talk about how the gift would be used. How would it be used? I was going to
3: ask, what is the gift or the donation for?
2: Well, you know, that... The research or... It's supposed to be for the research now, I don't know if the people okay. are going to take okay. it and go and go get them a dime bag or what, but, uh, <laughs> now let me put let me put this caveat in for this letter now. The letter came in a very unassuming envelope with the return address Tennessee Research Institute,
4: so you
2: know, I'm having, convinced that
3: you have this letter in front of you.
4: This it say Tennessee Research Institute
2: on it. Did you it say does? that? It says Tennessee Research Institute.
4: I have one in my mailbox that I got yesterday, and I had opened it because I thought they wanted me to come up there and be a guinea pig. But let me get mine out and read
2: it. They could wink the people because I thought that perhaps it might have been something, you know, related to my profession because I've served on a couple of committees here and there. So I'm thinking that it was something education related. I opened it up, and wow. Ah, so. Bam! You busted. You opened it up. I knew you
3: had that letter in front of you.
4: Yeah, but where did they take you to send it to? You know that's a that's, what that's, a that's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting at. I don't. I didn't get one. I think I got one, but you
3: that might be because of
4: my cataracts. What's the news? Then you wear glasses too. That's why. <laughs> Do what now? They wear glasses too, so that's why he got it. It's just for people with glasses. Oh, oh
3: okay. Right.
4: Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay.
3: Sure And that's it for this bit. But as always, I enjoy every week talking to Professor Jay and P.I. Pam, and I can't wait to talk to you next week. And I can't wait to tell it.
2: And you know I'm going to say it. (laughs) All right now.
1: Before we close, let me make a few announcements to the Knoxville Community Listening Audience. Knox County school students returned to school today. Next week, you'll get more information on how to stay involved in your child's education and set a pathway toward success. Tomorrow, on Tuesday, August 9th, come to Jackie's Dream Cafe to an event called Stepping Ahead Together, where you will have the opportunity to talk and walk through East Knoxville neighborhoods with our elected officials. The annual Girl Talk Gala will take place on August 12th and the annual Tent Summit and Scholarship Gala will take place on August 13th. The celebration of the second annual 8th of August Jubilee started yesterday with a libation ceremony at Freedman's Cemetery, commemorating the free slaves buried there. Today is the Glitz and Glam Gala, with the opening reception at the Historic Tennessee Theater before moving to the release screening featuring the history of the 8th of August at the Regal Cinemas. Festivities will culminate with a big celebration at Chill Highway Park in the Jacobs Building, including vendors, exhibits, activities, games, music, the world's longest soul train line, entertainment, including Grammy-nominated Alvin Garrett, and comedian Spanky Brown. Visit the Beck Cultural Exchange Center website, which is beckcenter.net, or the Village of Knox for more information. I hope to see you all on August 13th at the culminating ceremonies and festivities celebrating the 8th of august jubilee to stay updated on community events resources information and positive stories related to knoxville tennessee visit www.thevillageofknox.com. you can submit announcements to be promoted and added to the community calendar through the website or contacting the village through facebook and twitter be reminded that you can now call in and leave your thoughts on a selected show topic that may be featured on an upcoming show. This week's topic is centered around the case of corn gangs. And you can visit www.talkingwitht.com or check out the Facebook and Twitter pages to share your input. The call-in number is 865-409-1170. Again, that's area code 865 409 1170 once you call you will receive instructions on how to proceed also make note that i'm always looking to share and highlight music from rising artists and i look forward to more submissions for t's top teens and hometown heroes well once again we've come to an end but stay engaged by again visiting www.talkingwitht.com and following the show on facebook twitter and instagram Currently, you can listen to Talking With T on Blueberry, SoundCloud, iTunes, or TuneIn Radio, or Google Music. Remember that new shows drop each Monday, and don't forget to subscribe to Talking With T Daily, the online daily newspaper to get your daily scoop of trending news and find out what we're talking about. On that note, I'll end with a quote. I'm not here to rock the boat. I just want to stay involved. And make sure we keep a steady course. Joe Smickey. Remember where you heard the word, keep the peace until next week. You've been listening to Talking with T.